What up, everybody? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary once again. Christian Joe Ramos back at again with a brand new review. And today, I'm actually here with a friend of mine for a movie review. Have we ever done one, Raul? Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah, we did the entire saga. That was correct. That was and Spider-Verse. And, and John Wick. And Creed 3. Man, we've done almost every film out there that's like big. I mean, weren't that, there were a lot more films that came out blockbusters, but... I think uh, this will be another uh, return. This one wasn't planned. This one was kind of like out of the blue. We had passes from T-Mobile. Shout out T-Mobile with a $5 discount. Or $5 for a ticket, even if it was IMAX. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And it was a new Jason Statham movie. Now, the thing is, I love Jason Statham, but I feel like his movie history is either great or sucks. Like, his movies are either so good or so terrible. But he's always the best part. So he's always the best part. So it's never like the screenwriting. I, I'm pretty sure half the movies he does it for the money. Which I don't blame you. You got to get the money and keep your name out there, I guess. And this is a unique project. David Ayer, famously known for uh, Watch, the first Suicide Squad film. Um, he did that movie with Shia LaBeouf. It was like a Mexican gangster. I forgot what that was about. Uh, Fury, he also did. Fury. And he, I believe he wrote uh, Training Day also. There we go. This guy has a great... No, because of the DC, Toxic DC fans... They made his life a living hell with reviewing Suicide Squad, which I didn't think it was a terrible, terrible movie. I just think he did the best he could with what they told him to do. It wasn't like he had full control. He, His vision was just a lot more cooler than what they allowed him to do because they did come out, cut out a huge part. Either ways, uh, this film is a new film by, by Ayer, and um, it starts off Jason Statham, and the plot is The Beekeeper is a 2024 American action thriller film directed by David Ayer, written by Kurt Weimer. Who, as soon as I saw that, that's what got me more hyped than David Ayer because Kurt Wimmer, written one of my favorite underrated films of all time and directed it too, uh, Equilibrium. Which is a great film. And um, the film stars Jason Statham, Emmy Award winner Raver Lampman. Uh, I'm sorry, not Emmy Award winner. Her, her name is actually Emmy Raver Lampman. Sorry. When I hear Emmy, I think of the awards. Josh Hutchinson, Bobby Denary, Minnie Driver. Felicia Rashad and Jeremy Irons, who in this film is is evil as Scar. Yes, in the Lion King, like that's just. He's, I mean, he is Scar. So that's what I'm saying. He hasn't been this cynical in a long time because he's been in the DCU movies, being Alfred or whatever. But the Beekeeper was released by Amazon Studios, which I was afraid, like, oh damn, we just pay money for a free movie? No, Amazon. What they do is they release a movie in theaters, and like a month and a half later, it'll be on the Prime service. Yeah. So if you don't want to see it and you have Prime Video, don't go to theaters because it'll be in your queue in like five or six weeks. Yeah, that's the parts of them buying MGM. It's which... like, oh, that's right. They're the new owners of MGM. So a lot of MGM, does that mean they have the rights to the Bond franchise? Yeah. Oh, fucking. That's it. why they have like that uh, Finding Bond series. Nice. So pretty much they have the budget to make Bond the best Bond ever. Yes, because which that is was, why it's taking so long for them to cast the new one. Because they want to make it perfect, which I love it. I love when studios take their time. So this film released by MGM and Amazon, it was on theaters. My buddy Abner, Raul and I, we all decided, hey. We it, literally finished our best of 2023, and then uh, Christian called me back and was like, yo, you want to see Beekeeper? And I'm like, all right, I'm down. And all I knew from it was just the free ad. All I knew about it was exactly what he said. I saw a trailer about it, which I wasn't even interested, but I knew Abner was going to drag me to this. But then when I saw the coupon on T-Mobile, I'm like, oh, now I have an incentive. It's only five bucks. See, that's the thing. I didn't even see the trailer. I just saw the poster, and I'm like, all right. So here's a plot. 
Eloise Parker is a retired school teacher who lives by herself on the Massachusetts countryside near outside of Springfield, Mass., which we were familiar with the area. We know from Six Flags and other things out there. Oh, I as soon as I saw it took place in Mass, I'm like, oh. So many things just caught my eye. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, DiCaprio in that one movie, one time in Hollywood. Yeah. Where he's just pointing the camera. Uh, Eloise fails, falls for a phishing scam and is robbed over $2 million that she saved up for a charity. And mind you, this is an elder boomer who doesn't know how technology works. Her daughter does all her billing and all that stuff. Yeah, like literally one of those like things pop up and it's like, oh no. One of those phishing scams that would never happen to anybody under 60. But because they're so trusting, especially her living on her own, she does something that essentially get her like, all her accounts drained, including one with a joint account with Jason Statham's characters. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't a joint account. It was just her uh, foundation. Oh, that's right. But he, I thought he has a account attached to it. it no. Was, okay. That's no, he was just there working as a beekeeper, and she invited him over for dinner as for taking care of the land. Right. As a elder boomer, she doesn't have the power and energy to move around her farm, so she rents it out. The beekeeper, I guess you can say he lived out in the barn as well. Or... No, he was disposing of a uh, wasp's nest. That's what it was. Oh, he was just there to work. Yeah, but how did he end up getting all those all that honey made? Was it not was it not there just as, to make honey for her as well? No, no, no. That's his other thing on the side. Like he has like bees also, but she wanted him to specifically dispose of a wasp. And, and he does it in the most intricate way that I've never seen before. He grabs a fluorescent light, puts it the the hornet's nest, hornets the wasp nest in in a in a, in a burlap sack, I guess you can call yeah. it. And he destroys the, I guess, the chemicals inside the glass, lights it up. No, 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 it electrocutes them. Electrocutes the shit out of them, if I recall. And I'm like, but yeah, it does catch on fire because they're such good. And I'm like, that's a very, like, fucking secret spy way of knowing how to do something like that. That was like the hint. <laughs> Little hint, who is this guy? No, he's just a beekeeper. And then the whole movie is just him getting revenge because he, they find out the next day as he's, no, that same night as he's going over for dinner because she invited him over to eat. That she shot herself in the head, and then her daughter, who just so happens to work for the feds, pops in like, "What are you doing? Where's my mother?" And then I heard a rumor. That's a callback to anyone who's seen Umbrella Academy because she's on the show as well. I haven't seen season two yet. I've only seen the first one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's why she looks so familiar. I heard a rumor. And um, this was a moment of like you know. What does it look like when some scary-looking white guy walks into your mom's house and she's dead? You're going to assume he's the one that killed her. Just obviously. Like, she lives by herself, no dog or anything. And they find out that she's actually had, you know, suicidal... She, she committed her suicide because she felt so much grief from losing all this money. Probably the money more for the charity than her own, to bring honest, because she seems like a lovely lady. And I think that was Felicia Rashad plays the, the mom and... Emmy Raver Lampin is a daughter, and they have a—I guess you could say—have a similar like aesthetic. Like she looks like she could be her daughter in real life. Yeah, and I'm always gonna love Felisa Rashad because of her being in the Creed movies. Yes, I know also from the Cosby Show as well. I do too. But like, you don't mess with Mama Creed. And she ended up offing herself, and then they let go of the character whose name is Clay. Clay is let go that he's not a. Uh, he has, because he's there's no evidence that no, he did it no fingerprints on the gun nothing and then it just comes down to the way we realize that there's a fishing scam and it's ran by a guy named mickey garnets who's tied with the mob clay goes into udg's building after finding the location of it 
Yeah, like, it looked familiar because it being in Massachusetts, there's always, like, those buildings that where it happened. And he's just like, anybody who wants to go right now, you're free to go. Yeah, he's nice enough to let people get out of there if they don't want to deal with the consequences. So after scaring off the employees and taking down a handful of Garnet's men, blows up the entire building after, like, igniting it with what seems to be oil, but it was actually, was it? No, no, no. What he did was actually kind of dope. It was C4 attached to, like, a whole thing while waiting for the next call to come through. That was crazy. And before the next fish scam goes through, which is really soon, the five bodyguards are killed in there. Mind you, he gave the option of the guy to like take his save his bodyguard's life, and the guy being a douchebag, let him die in the building. Yeah, and then he just brought him along with him. Oh yeah. And then after scaring the employees off, blows up the building, Garnet informs his boss on a tr- on a bridge. Uh who's a technology executive, Derek Danforth, played by God. I always forget this guy. Josh Hutchinson. Josh Hutchinson from uh Bridge of Therapithia. From that show on Hulu, what's it called? Uh, the sci-fi show that he's on. I forgot. It was one of the Hunger Games. Is... No, he was in Hunger Games as well. But he's been in a couple projects that I've seen as well, too. Yeah. But he's in a bunch of projects. This guy's a very known actor. And he is the owner of the scam, I guess you can say. He's a tech guy. Of course he is. And technology executive Derek Danforth. Danforth sends Garnett to kill Clay. And Garnett and his thugs find Clay and follow him into a barn. And boy, was the scene crazy. Dude, not only that, they shoot down his entire beehive. They literally destroyed all of his bees. Like, they, they shoot him with shotguns or rifles, whatever it was. Go into his barn and got these fatality-level deaths. <laughs> like, it was like the Predator missions in, like, the old Batman Arkham games. Yeah. But, like... Operating absolutely, and um, Garnett informs his boss about the situation. So Garnett and his dogs find Clay, and they get their asses handed by him. And quickly stop at a bridge when he gets like his fingers sliced too. That was crazy. There was like a, a bandsaw, and and his fingers were cleanly sliced off. So Garnett gets his finger cut off, but he somehow still escapes in his car. And informing him that Clay is a beekeeper, Clay having. Following Garnett kills him while Danforth listens over the phone and then warns Danforth that he's coming for him after. Mind you, this guy gets his uh, his grua and like he just gets the, the tow truck and and, and and hooks the guy's truck. And as the drawbridge was open or whatever, he just tosses this guy's car. No, no, no! It's it's his truck that he puts him in, and oh. then he just takes his Escalade. He takes his nice Escalade as a collateral and a. Now Garnett's Garnett's boss Danforth is like fuck you man. He's like you're not gonna stop me. So Danforth goes to it, to the viewer out there. It's basically Jason Statham's John Wick. It's so and just replace Mama Creed with a puppy. It is essentially that, but they did it right. It wasn't cheesy. It wasn't overdone. It was just an excellent film. It was the right amount of cheese, especially him being like I'm a beekeeper. I protect the hive. Yeah, he's definitely more than just a beekeeper here. So, Danforth goes to talk to Wallace Westwell after about Clay. Wallace, the former head of CIA himself, is currently running a sec- uh, secretary for Danforth's enterprise at the request of Derek's mother, Jessica. Concerned, Wallace contacts the current director of the CIA in hopes of stopping Clay. Director contacts the beekeepers. And contacts the beekeepers. And learns that Clay has retired from the organization. So, he's not even an active beekeeper. 
However, a beekeeper is sent to kill Clay. And boy, did Clay get uh, surprised in this one. Yo, like, this one was just being loud, vivacious. And Clay was just, like, calm, cool, collected, sets this one on fire, and, like, cuts off a finger. Oh, my God. Clay's beekeeper and the millennial beekeeper are so different from each other. Yeah. Like, she looks like something out of a cyberpunk game. Like, very much, like, flashy clothes, crazy hair. But she had a minigun in the back of her pickup truck. Like, yeah. This is nuts. And literally blows up the entire uh, gas station. It's just some crazy scene here. Yeah, meanwhile, all this time, uh, Emmy Raver's character is, like, following the trail that he just keeps leaving on and on. And Minnie Driver is the head of the CIA, right? Yes. Okay, she plays it well in this movie where she's just calm and collected. But once she hears the details, like, oh, you're all fucked. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, there's no way around this. You basically... <laughs> Instead of Baba Yaga, you get the beekeeper. Yo, for real. So, meanwhile, Verona and her partner, Matt Wiley, have been informed. I mean, following the crime scenes, they determined that Clay's next target is Nine Point Center in Boston. Bro, that's near my job. Yeah. It's so trippy seeing the whole skyline of Boston. Like, oh, there's my job right there. There's a building near my job. There's a State Street building that looks like a PS5. Like, there's, it's all, like, coming to me like, oh, shit. This is, it's, uh, it's my, it's, what's going on here? They moved from Springfield all the way to Boston. Because that's where the headquarters of this company is located at. And it's just trippy watching it. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I remember last year they blocked they blocked over a few blocks near my job. And I'm like, why are they blocking? Like, and now you know. Now I know. They're filming the beekeeper. And, uh, that's, which is so cool. But this whole sequence is nuts. So Wallace coordinates a, a group of ex-Special Forces personnel revealing to them that the beekeepers are clandestine organization tasked with protecting the U.S., operating above and beyond the government jurisdiction. They're pretty much ghosts. That's pretty much... Yeah. They're just, like, beyond Navy SEALs. They're just, like, these boogeymen. (laughs) Yeah, like, they're the ones that are... that sit above the table. For real, man. So to have a chance of stopping Clay, Wallace orders the group to secure the inside of the Nine Points building. The FBI takes the outside, like, investigating everything, and then Clay's like, nah, y'all don't want to do that. And he's there around the FBI like nothing. Then he beats them all up on his own. Yes, he beats them up. He doesn't kill them. Doesn't kill them. He knows who the good guys and bad guys are. He's just doing his job. uh, What are you doing? (laughs) I'm a beekeeper. I protect the hive. Which, that was the only thing I really wish this movie had was maybe one or two, like, one-liners. Like him being like, Stung. Oh my gosh. Well, that would have been super 90s. I well, know, but like, it, it you're been... allowed a couple. Like, Keanu Reeves has like his guns. Yeah. No, guns. I need guns. I mean, that's just a callback to the Matrix. True. But him just going, yeah. So, Wallace is surrounding the building, but it's too, it's not some Batman level shit where Satan is three steps ahead. Yeah. So, he goes in and he's just like anyone who wants to leave you're allowed to leave and the main dude who's in charge which I loved his performance is like no 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 you get off your seat you're all fired you're all fucking fired oh yeah he's this very Bostonian greaseball boss he just comes off like every scammer (laughs) sort of got anybody working in the scammers area that's how the bosses sound like it's a bunch of jerk offs and tacky suits so this allows Clay to quickly defeat the FBI SWAT team, infiltrate the building, taking down the manager, who reveals to Clay that the FBI, that Derek Anforth, is his boss. Dum, which, dum, dum. which then we find out the other twist on why his mom is so well-connected 
She's the president of the United States of America. Like, as soon as I found that out, I'm like, yo, this goes to the top. I love how, like, you love the plot twist. And, like, you're like, whoa. And, like, yeah, man. It's, uh, I kind of expected it. And, like, how is this woman so, like, connected? And, like, oh, she has to be a government official. Like, wait a minute. Are they in the White House? Oh, my God. <laughs> it clicks. Yeah. So, Verona informs the FBI Deputy Director Prig that Derek Danforth actually runs both companies. Both are owned by Danforth Enterprises, which is used by several U.S. government agencies. So Verona also brings up the point that not only will Clay attempt to kill Derek, but he may also kill Jessica, who is the president of the United States. Yeah, and like the deputy dude of the FBI at first was like, yeah, you have unlimited resources. Now he's like, here's a blank check. Do whatever you want. Nah. Just don't kill the president. For real. So Priggs gives him a blank check, receipts to inform the president Wallace, upset that Clay has escaped again, suggests that Derek Ganforth stays with his mother for the time being. Pretty much, Derek is safer on his mom like she is the most protected woman or person in general in the United States. Kind of like how in John Wick, the Continental. There's a lot of similarities here. And then again, it's not cheesy overlay. They're, like You don't see Statham in a suit. The whole movie, he's just wearing some like car hat, fucking jacket, a trucker, yeah. a trucker hat, looking very casual. So, like, he is himself. Like, he might have been ex-military, but now he's just, like he says, a beekeeper. Just like one, he partakes in beekeeping. It's, it's not even a hobby. It's like a lifestyle for this guy. So, he comes in here looking like a crazy person. So, meanwhile, inside the mansion, Prig tells Jessica about her son's scam operation. And she's like, oh, what else is new? Derek reveals that during the presidential campaign, Jessica was behind the polls and needed funding. He uses a CIA program to locate financial stat targets and scan them all of their money. Jessica decides that if uh, if and when Clay approaches, she could tell him that the world truth, the whole truth about what's going on and Derek's use of the program. In this way, she hopes that he will grant her mercy and her son will be in son enraged, but at least alive. Yeah. So you just where is it? It's like some sort of like deserted island in like I don't know, like the Hamptons or something. I think it's Martha's Vineyard because whenever the president's always like somewhere. Uh, every president is always in Martha's Vineyard whenever they're like in their summertime home. So it's not the White House. True. But it is definitely a rich... It could be the Hamptons, but I think it's most likely going to be Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, to like keep it in the whole New England locale. And like him going in surrounded by Secret Service. Listen, there's a reason why this movie was filmed in mass. This shit would have been expensive in any other state, if we're being honest. So, I mean, it's expensive in mass in general, but... But we give them price uh, tax cuts, so like... The yeah. more movies are made here, the better the state has funding for programs. So that's how we look at it. Because, geez Louise, this is crazy. Yeah, like, as soon as he, like, sneaks up from underneath, you see the dude on the car, and he's like, tucks him right up, and then just, like, takes his place. I love how he shows up, like, in a wetsuit and in a jet ski to sneak into the island. And then he's, like, wearing the FBI guy's gear and just, like, sneaks in. And then immediately, like... Switches into all this stuff. And Meanwhile, the two main FBI agents that we've been following. The two in New England who were literally just your run-of-the-mill Boston location, New England FBI agents. Yeah. Are now, like, granted presidential access and moved up the ranks because they know of Clay and what he's... Yeah. Like, he'll... I guess maybe that he'll step down knowing that uh, the ties they have with, them, with, the mother, with her mother, that they would... You know, Louise's daughter would be the... Come on, you don't want to kill the president, do you? Like, Come do, on, man. So this is where it gets an epic fight sequence. Um, and Verona tries to dis 
this is Wade Clay from killing Jessica and Derek. Derek attempts to kill his own mom, the president. After knows. already killing the uh, deputy. Mind you, Derek's on coke because he took a line on his dad's old desk. Yes. <laughs> and he's just... But she was protecting her son, and this guy would have easily killed his own mother. So he was a piece of shit to begin with. Yeah. And he eventually reaches her, her office and quickly joined by Verona and the rest of the FBI agents. Uh, Yo, also, shout out to uh, the one dude that, like, survived a beekeeper and this killed one. Oh, that, that guy super was, Australian dude. That guy looked like Kano from Mortal Kombat. He had a... He, uh, amputated leg. Amputated leg with a cyber, with a titanium leg. And he was a complete badass. Like, like, the, reason, the only reason to survive the beekeeper was because yada, yada, yada. And they're like, they really, like... Are, I got lucky. Yeah, they got really into it. And it, this guy is just... Comical, but also like he just he just oozes video game antagonist. Yeah, and I'm like, if they ever do a Far Cry movie, this motherfucker has to be in that shit. Yeah, for real. Okay, so Verona tries to this way Clay from killing his Jessica and, and Derek. Derek attempts to kill his mom, but Clay kills him first. So I just love how like it it kind of reminded me of Taken, where like he has like the knife on his daughter. He's like, I'm willing to go poop. Clay then jumps out of a nearby window, and despite Verona having a clear shot of him, decides not to shoot Clay, and he flees with the aid of a scuba gear that he had hidden in the beach, and that's the end of the film. Um, what stood out about this movie? The location, obviously, being mass natives, a lot of the sites we recognize, I'm like, oh, this is like, like, I've never seen Boston look so huge. Like, the skyline looks enormous now. Yeah. In most Boston films, they already do, like, you know, they like, The Departed, they do, like, the government building where the police station is. It looks like a normal-sized city. They went right into the financial district where all the buildings are super tall. And it made it, made it like, bigger than life. I'm like, wow, they really know how to shoot the city and make it look like New York or fucking anywhere else, like, Atlanta. Or think of any big city, Los Angeles. Because Boston is relatively small compared to yeah. other cities. But we do have our skyscrapers. We do have our... Bigger than life buildings as well. They're just not as many of them clustered up together. They're kind of all either in one little section here or another section there. But for the most part, it's either the Prudential or State Street where you're going to mostly see all the giant buildings. Yeah. But it was shot so damn well. Jason's even delivered as Adam Clay. Uh, Emmy Raver Lampin, she's doing great outside of uh, uh, Umbrella Academy. God, yeah. I couldn't came and speak. Mind you guys, if I sign a little off, I just survived the. Stomach bug sickness. I still feel like shit, but I have enough energy to walk around and finally eat solid foods. That was fun. Dude, mm. yesterday I spent the entire day literally just sleeping. The most TV I watched was half an episode of Spy Family and maybe an hour of uh, SmackDown and 20 minutes of Rampage because I was in and out of sleep. I was so tired yesterday. Thank God I'm better now. I'm never going to eat. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say shit on the internet because then that becomes yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, when you try a new place out, make sure you actually hear from other people how good or bad the service is before you go there. I'll leave it at that. But thankfully, I'm good. Um, anything else you want to add to the film? I mean, there's so much that we could point at. I just want to rewatch it again. Like, it has. I cannot wait for Prime. Yeah. Rewatch it over and over again. I know your roommates are going to love it. Your girl might like it, too. <laughs> it's one of those movies that, like... Again, oh, no. I described it to her, and she's like, oh, we're definitely watching that. Nice. And, again, shout out to Z-Mobile for that $5 ticket. Yeah, it's a great advertisement. Like, what holiday did we go that it was like, it was a holiday, right? It was like MLK. It was MLK Day. There we go. Where nothing was open but the movie theaters. So we're like, fuck it, let's go to movies. And granted, it's a five dollar ticket. We ended up getting Chipotle and you know stinking burritos in the theater, like most people do. 
And uh, it was a great movie night. And also the the atmosphere, like, it was pretty, not a full theater, but it was like everybody in there really was surprised how good the movie was. Yeah. And like, as, everyone started clapping at the end. Like, you know, the movie's good when people start clapping because they had low expectations. You can tell everyone's demeanor was like, all right, another Jason Statham movie. It's something to do. Not only that, but it, I guarantee, like, some people were like, oh, I want to go to the movies, but I'm not watching Mean Girls. You know what the, what it is? There's nothing but musicals right now in the theater. So, like, we're they going to watch either. Well, movie? it's the January dumping ground. Yep. So, the fact that badass action flick came out in January, it was a no-brainer. Um... That being said, I'm going to give this movie an unbiased 96%. I'm giving it a, I'm going to be honest, 105. I went in with zero expectation. You know what? Fuck it. It's a perfect 100. Because I'll tell you what, I have nothing to gripe at. It was long enough for the movie to make sense. It didn't drag on. The acting was amazing. Everyone played their part, and there wasn't no, like, Again, it wasn't so cheesy that it became like a parody of a, of, of a genre. It was the right amount of cheese. Like, it it was a fine slice of provolone. This is probably Jason Statham's best film since the first Transporter. Because he has made a lot of hit or misses. But this is like that level of good. I would say, for me, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, yeah. You know what? Hobbs and Shaw does deserve it. But I feel like Hobbs and Shaw, there are more action tropes, but it's still a good film. Yeah. Did we review that movie? We reviewed every Fast and Furious, dude. Yeah, there we go. Dude, I understand. You're coming back from it. It's me, your buddy, Raul. We've been friends since college. Oh, my Tranquilo, God. brochacho. You're not a lizard man? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that. So anyways, folks, this movie was amazing. Completely. Go fast. watch it. Like, it's, it's, Listen, take your whole family. Except for like, small children, of course. But take your whole family. Uh, like, if you have a teenager, yes. that's just like... The violence is not so grotesque that you can't take a teenager. I'll give it that much. It's a lot of explosives. There's a couple, like, scenes you might, like, wince. Like, ooh. But it's never, any, it's never anything over the top. It's never anything too barbaric. Exactly. So, with that being said, thank you for tuning in for this review of The Viewkeeper by MGM and Amazon Studios. Till next time, I am Christian Joe Ramos. He is Raul Montero. What's up? Be sure to follow me on my socials as usual. M-I-S-E-R-B-I-L-A-L-I-T-Y and hit me up on Twitch sometime soon. And you know where to catch me everywhere where streaming apps are available and on twitch.tv, kingslater88. As always, thank y'all. Until later. Peace! Stung. Yes.